0: thanks for listening to this word in your ear podcast if you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad free priority booking for our live events and to take part in our weekly quiz go to patreon.com/word in your ear for more details hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
2: You're listening to a podcast never, never, never from The
3: Word. Uh, Sunday gone, I jump on a minibus. I'm really late, but it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I feel the bus come to a
0: halt. Is, it, is this going to be doing it, done in Andrew Harrison Patois, this, this it, entire it makes, podcast? Yeah, Patois, yeah.
3: And Ting. And Ting, yeah, as I, I would say. As I would say.
0: <laughs> That's the thing I... I realised when I was listening to that the the, the, uh, the expression, as I would say, yeah. just belongs purely in reggae, doesn't it? Yeah. No, you, you go through the whole year and you never hear it or use it yeah. until you listen to a record no. yeah. from that kind of milieu. As, as I would say, I'm strictly you and you. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a <trick
2: extraordinary. laughs>
0: Have we got enough level? I think so.
2: Have we started? Have we started? Fraser, know. have
0: we started the word We've podcast? We've started. Oh, okay. In which case, I'm David Hepworth. You're Fraser Lurie, say hello. Um, hello. And Andrew Harrison. Hello. How are you doing? Who's uh, Who's been uh, bringing us up to speed on, on Jamaican Patois, of yes. which more later. <laughs> I had a lovely one
3: on Sunday night. It had lamb in it.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to work out the... Um, everybody in the radio industry appears to have won something at last night's Sony Awards, as far as that work out. There was just... You know, all shall have prizes. It's there like
2: the Grammys. There's an award for everything. I
0: suppose yeah. so.
3: You know, the, the Grammys just grows categories, doesn't it, yeah. every year? They have to start it at like 8 o'clock in the morning, now, don't they? Because they, they start off with their you know, best sound design in a, a bottled water commercial yeah. and work their way <laughs> up to Kate Winslet. Well,
0: the, the, the other thing is that in the Grammys they also have all those, because radio is so kind of... Uh, strictly formatted in the States, you know, they also have to have the same categories in, in gospel, and then yes. they do it all again in country, then yeah. they do it all again in classical music or whatever. It goes on forever. Um, but um, so loads of people appear to have won awards. I, I vaguely gather that Simon Mayo and Mark
3: Komodo won something,
0: and if that's true, that's fine, yeah. isn't it?
3: Hello, and hooray to them. Because we like them. We do like them. We, we have Twitter rows with them. With them. Yes. We like them.
0: Yeah, Twitter wars. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I just wonder, while we're talking about, about radio, have you
3: noticed
0: that uh, the the announcement that Danny Baker's returning
3: properly for Five Live? Yes. This was greeted with great happiness, again, by our Twitter lot. who They hosanad on Twitter, because they don't like um, Eamon... Not Avon Ford. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> like not Ford. It's Holmes. Holmes. Who's been doing that Saturday
0: yes. morning sports show for, you know, a couple of years probably yeah. now. Do you ever listen to that? Uh,
3: for about a minute and then I go, oh dear God,
0: and I turn it off. Because I'm always listening because I'm a huge fan of fighting talk. Yes. Uh, which comes on at 11 o'clock. And by the time fighting talk starts, I have to go to a quiet place in the house so that my wife can't be driven ma- mad by that sound of the uh, the, the dinging of the, the points yeah. being awarded.
3: Do you listen to that? No, please? no, you don't I listen have... to fighting no. talk. It's oh,
0: good. It's super- oh, it's fantastic. It's all really my supporters on TV. Oh, uh, really?
3: Yeah, that sounds like an a song
0: <laughs> 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 waiting <laughs> to be heard. Actually, pretty much oh, all of mine is on radio. Actually, okay. but mm-hmm. I feel I'm am no, no loss and no less uh, near to it.
2: But you don't have Sky or Satanso.
0: No, because that's the rich for rich people. Yeah, uh, obviously
2: you paid me far too much. I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was
0: thinking last night when I went down the pub to watch uh, in Newcastle and, and Middlesbrough in the game of death. Yeah, um, you know, which is like going to watch a car crash, isn't it? Yes. Perhaps? Yes. Uh, I was thinking, if I took all the pints of Guinness that I drink down here, and invested them in a Sky subscription. It'd be cheaper, wouldn't it? It
3: probably would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then you'd find yourself watching the hills, and, and it would it would turn, turn out to be bad for you, Dave. Or oh, you'd be It'd watching you
2: from within. You'd be watching the blue square, blue square Premier League. and That's yeah. the isn't it? I mean, it's years endless. ago, in
0: the days of ITV Digital, we had you know <laughs>
3: <laughs> years ago, in the days of ITV Digital. <laughs> 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 no, the idea that something digital could be oh years oh, yeah, well, ago the best part 10 years, turns 10, to ten years sepia. Uh, yes ITV I remember it well. Yes.
0: We, we had access to that stuff, and at the time, you know, our son was sort of 11, 12 or whatever, and would consequently just sit and watch anything that involved a football. Yeah. And, of course, there's always something, yeah. isn't there? And they're yeah. always pretending it's about to be the most expo-
3: exciting game in the history of football. Well, the most exciting football on telly, I think, is, is often ESPN classic from 1975 or 1983, because you sort of watch the game. The way you watch an old film that was shot in your neighbourhood, you, you, you're kind of not really watching the game. You're looking at the incredibly knackered state of the pitch, or the haircut, or the strip, or the terrifying proximity of you know huge numbers of people screaming and bawling from three foot away from Barry Venison's head. That kind of thing. It just it just becomes a totally different way of watching yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, You sort of don't care about the result because you kind of know what's going to happen.
0: Because nowadays football just looks like a computer game anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't you think? You know the pictures are so pristine. And the, the, the players' images that you see in computer games are based on real contemporary yes. players, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So yes. it's my theory that those, what's happening is kind of reality and and kind of uh, animation a sort of meeting somewhere and in And Brazil middle.
2: will eventually stop being sponsored by Nike and end up with Nintendo. It yeah, c- could, could happen. happen. could happen. So anyway, we're delighted
0: to see Danny Baker back. Uh, what is it, Saturday morning he's going to be back, yeah. I think? And also Christine O'Connell bound I think, Sunday morning or Yeah. Something. Which... I'm all in favour. I think they should try this for a
3: while and see if it works. Radio people on the radio. David, will never catch on. Are <laughs> you insane? But, but people will, n- will not be able to listen to the radio and imagine what the person looks like. They won't be able to picture Russell Brand or Eamon Holmes or, or any of the rest of them. You see also, You're out your mind. You see, Tim Lovejoy
0: has also gone from the the 606 Has phone-in. He did one night a week. Mm. And he did last week after the Chelsea game. Uh, and he's a huge Chelsea fan.
2: Yeah. You know, after the great w- Why did he Trenton? leave Soccer AM? You
0: know? Oh, I don't know. Take go onwards and upwards. I don't know. Did he? I, I, I don't. know. Well, it that. was
2: his show, wasn't it?
0: So yeah. You see, I think I think it's a fundamental problem. He's really good on the telly. Yeah. Really good on the telly,
2: uh-huh. but he's not good
0: on the radio because he hasn't got the energy for radio at all. You know, it's it's like Eamon Holmes. It's the same thing that works. Here. Yeah,
3: Eamon Holmes' show is bad because it's just like a it's like a knackered old sofa, isn't it? It kind of thinks it's comfy, but it's there's actually a spring. Are you describing him in or the show? Uh, it feels well, both. Yeah, it just—it's got that. So it—it just feels a little bit too self-satisfied in its coziness, but it's not actually cosy. It's just annoying, yeah. it's irritating. So uh, various people have
0: been uh, have been responding on the website this week, wordmagazine.co.uk. We we tried to uh, to uh, write the memorial of the 2008-2009 football season in cliches that that people have come up with, and and uh, people really didn't let us down. No. You know that the, these are expressions you've heard so many times during the season, you never wish to hear them again. And uh, I started off with Roy Hodgson has done a brilliant job at Fulham, because, you know, that's one that almost yeah. just uh, puts me on edge. And, um, and, you know, loads of people have piled in with stuff. Simon Ford, Hull City are in free fall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, El Hombre Marlowe is an enigma. <laughs> Chris Boyd, Chris Boyd, what a goal scoring record, but he's an enigma. It's so true, these things, you know. And uh, Garth, we'll take the positives out of the game and just move on. Which was well, one that's very spectacularly well. meaningless as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, John Motson always refers to any slow motion replay of a goal as being an unerring finish. I don't know why unerring. It's kind of t- tautologist, isn't it? It is. It's a replay. Obviously, it's unerring. It's also... He points out how Mots and I... Somebody else pointed this out. Eddie G pointed this out. It's a really good point. The Motson, in commentating on a club game, can't stop himself making some international reference. And so he will say... Motson couldn't go five minutes without mentioning England. For instance... The burly young defender was in the Hungarian side that faced England last month. <laughs> That's so true. He does that. You know, it's a little bit of knowledge he's got he's to take uh, with him. You know. Uh, Andy McKenzie's, uh wants to know, does anybody else think Andy Gray is now a pain in the arse? Uh, there appears to be a certain following wind behind this. Because uh, he points out his favourite cliché is, go on, son, take a bow. Oof. Which is very, very... It's got to the
2: point that Andy Gray knows that it's
3: a cliché and always
2: prefaced it with, I don't say this very often, but go on, son, take a
3: bow. (laughs) (laughs) The one that that stuck out to me more than than anything was, uh, you know, where does this Leave the Respect campaign that was launched at the start of the season? They've been saying this week two, haven't they? (laughs) Exactly. I think they started saying it the minute people left left the podium for the Respect campaign, (laughs) if they'd launched a campaign called Punch the Referee in the Face... It couldn't have been less successful. Yes, absolutely. Um, Beanie suggests Manchester
0: City are today being leaked with a move for Kekar, Tattoo, Kanu, Deco, Milto, <laughs> Bifo, Coco, Hepo, and Gigsy. <laughs> That's very good. That's
3: very good so stuff. One, one cliche we haven't heard yet at this very late stage in the season. I haven't heard much mathematically safe. No. There's only Stoker ma- mathematically safe. No, I haven't uh, very little. Mathematically of that. safe, you can usually start to hear that about the middle of February. Yes. And there is a half-man, half-biscuit song called Mathematically Safe to uh, well, immortalise it,
0: it. Because you can stay up with such a low total now, can't you? Because there's been so many underachieving sides. Yes. I think bottom. it's just so very tight,
3: isn't it? You know, the, yeah, bottom, yeah. the bottom eight sides are still mathematically threatened, yes, <laughs> which we haven't safe. heard yet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mathematically imperiled, I'd like to hear. KB talks about
0: Har- Harry Redknapp upon joining Spurs said, Make no mistake, it's a massive club. It's a massive club. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy Ramos upon joining Spurs. Is un club massivo? <laughs> Martin Jol Martin is a reflected on leaving Spurs for Hamburg and considerable success. Is a massive club. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke that could run and run. There's some very good stuff there. So if anybody wants to get out, that's still open on the website wordmagazine.co.uk. Um, and uh, in the new issue of Word, while we're, while we're talking about sports, uh, in the Yorkshire, <laughs> in word. the Yorkshire
3: Music Magazine, the <laughs> word.
0: <laughs> no, but I, my interview with yes. Ed Smith, former county cricketer and uh, very clever chap, uh, and author of an excellent book called "What Sport Tells Us About Life," is in there in our in our Word to the Wise um, slot. And one of the things we we dis- I discussed with him was you know kind of punditry and and the, the growth of sports, you know, constantly. Uh, going back over what happened and why it happened, particularly why it happened. And it's quite interesting to get the point of view of an actual, you know, former professional sportsman about this, you know. And it says there's a, great, there's a great danger in sports of thinking that because thing C happened after thing B, that yeah. thing B caused thing C. And sort of all punditry seems to be, you know, based on that idea.
2: If the referee hadn't blown, if it was offside, if the team hadn't been reduced to ten men, all that kind of stuff. Well, we just
0: had the classic case of this, which is the Chelsea-Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, Hugely entertaining evening. Nothing wrong with that referee. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it was just, it was, you know, his point about sports is it's chaos piled on chaos which I think mm. is a really good point, you know, because we can't imagine what it's like yeah. to be in the middle of this.
3: And know? the pundit's role is to try to pretend that somehow something, some things are all... Re- see, everything's related. S- you yes! Know, so that somehow it makes sense. The it's a bit like a priest, isn't it, Dave, trying to convince us that the howling chaos of reality is actually presided over by a benign god, wouldn't you say, Dave? And what
0: t- it struck me that there are kind of two main strands to this, which I suppose you could see exemplified by. On one hand, talk sport or Five Live, you know, and on the other hand the Guardian Football Podcast and on Talk TalkSport it's all about what happened, happened because people were either very passionate or not passionate at all, mm-hmm. yeah and on the Guardian Football Podcast it all happened because they played three four one rather
3: than five, two, five. Are you, you saying that, Are you saying that uh, the Guardian uh, are running a Marxist podcast here where it's determinist no, I saying, it's that saying, you know, one, one that claims, one that claims it's forces, all a question of yeah. kind
0: of, you know you know diabolical genius managers uh, stroking their beards and making you know very cunning substitutions and the other one the other extreme people thinking it's all about you know did people Yeah, did they read Shakespeare in the dressing room before they went out
2: to the field? um, When Croatia beat England a couple of years ago at Wembley on that dismal uh, last night of Steve McLaren's reign, (laughs) and uh, the Croatian manager was asked after the game about the tactics and where England got it wrong and all that kind of stuff and why this had happened and why something else had happened, and he said, listen, we won because we were better
3: than you. Yes. Mm.
2: On and that occasion,
3: yeah, yeah which, which is a real problem for pundits because where do you take that conversation? You, That's a dead end of the conversation. Isn't it? You can't then start to talk about you know who was in the hole because it doesn't really matter. No, you know the, the, the statement has been made and also measured in the final result. Clearly, yeah. yeah, they were better. But also, particularly when you when
0: you take the case of last week's you know Chelsea Barcelona, yeah, <laughs> which is just an extraordinary thing. You know, people go Barcelona Barcelona won because they did this. Hang on. They scored a goal in the ninety third, ninety fourth minute. You know, they had one shot. Well, fair enough. I mean, it doesn't even validate it at all. Yeah. But you know, the guy who, who connected with that with that shot knew it was luck as yeah. much as anything else. You know, the footballers would know that, wouldn't they? Yeah. But,
3: we've, but we've been conditioned by you know the increasing uh, appearance of statistics in the world of, in the world of sport and and the replay and the continual question of the referee into this fantasy that sport, football in particular, is fair. Yes. And of course, it isn't fair. It never was fair. And it never will be. No, and it's not supposed to be. No. And if it was fair, it would be incredibly boring. And in fact, the fact that, you know, the top four are remain the top four and probably will for the foreseeable foreseeable future is boring enough as it is. But it's kind of fair as well. They have got the best players.
0: But it's all stuck with it. This particularly comes to the fore when people start talking about video refs and, you know, and all this kind of thing. We have the technology. We have the technology to decide matters of fact on, on, on a sporting yeah. pitch. Well, no, you don't.
2: Because <laughs> in the end, you
0: have to make a judgment call. You yeah. know.
2: And in the end, there's not usually consensus anyway. You'll get three pundits who yes. have three different views of what happened after 25 replays. Yeah. I think it's
0: ridiculous the way people have gone on about it. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, that's enough.
2: That's enough that's sport. sport.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I see that Gordon Ramsay uh, has been censured by Ofcom for his language. And did you see this count of how many times he used the F word in uh, in one of your in a Channel Four programme?
3: Did, well, well, did you see this? How many times did he use the F word, Dave? One
0: hundred and fifteen times in the first forty minutes.
3: So that's uh, twice a minute. Yeah, pretty much. That sounds pretty par for the course of most workplaces, would you say?
0: No, well, I, I think that's excessive, use. actually. I think I think that's going over the top. And I think I think there's a serious issue about, about swearing in telly, is that once you start, you can't stop. I think Gordon Ramsay is yeah. now, you know, it, it, it's hanging around his neck, this is. It's yeah. what he's expected to do. It's the yeah. definition of his TV personality. Yes. Yeah. He's the bloke who swears a lot. Yeah, so it's a and bit you like... you can't do it occasionally. Yeah, that's true, but you also... Can, you, you never have a programme where you have a single... F word. You never. You'll get loads or you'll get none. Mm-hmm. Because it would look odd if suddenly in the middle of, I know it's before the watershed or whatever, yeah. but if it's suddenly in the middle <laughs> of <Dull>. Coronation <laughs> Creek or whatever, as in real life, I and mean, you know, if you've got a commitment to reflect the reality of real life... You would occasionally get somebody swearing in I bet off.
3: you they've had a meeting at Granada sometime in the past five years, whether they should. for amazing, dramatic, get it all over the papers, whether they should beat the F word in Coronation Street. I It'd bet be, it be like the lesbian kiss. I bet it's at least been on the thing. table. I bet it's, you know, should Deirdre I don't know, I don't watch Coronation <laughs> Street! <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> There's a Kenneth Tynan think, moment on Coronation Street. I think Gordon Ramsay's got a problem with it. He's, he's, yeah. got,
0: he's got, you know...
2: He's in a cul-de-sac, I think. He is? Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's my theory about, about TV personalities, and particularly TV chefs, is you're allowed, you stand for one brand value, okay? Yeah. Which is generally can be expressed in one word, okay? So, what's Jamie Oliver's brand value? It's
3: good, honest food you can do yourself. Cheek-chappy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Okay, what's Delia Smith? Uh, you can do it, Mum. She's like, your mum. She's mum. She's, yeah. she's mum. That's very yeah. good. Keep mum. Uh, I like mum. Go she going? gets buried uh, at Norwich City.
0: Uh, no, uh,
3: Rhodes. Gary Rhodes. Gary Rhodes. Uh, he looks like Nigel Kennedy. He's got is a flat head. Code? Yes, he's Is he's a It's <laughs> just one thing. I don't think you can do this it's with, with all girl. of telly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. She's
0: yeah. like sexy. Uh, Gordon Ramsay. He's well. There's nothing
3: else to say. But it used to be Gordon Ramsay, he is the gold standard best cook in England. He is the ultra- kind of top of the range chef and that's been completely obliterated by the sweary hasn't it now you're it? right he is the sweary bloke and the fact that he's just been kind of uh, you know discovered that he's doing boil in the back <laughs> stuff in a factory was, or whatever it is I, there the, yeah he's just yes. and, he's, Hello, okay. and, he's, and he's got a, he's got a <laughs> close personal friend that he shouldn't have sneaking out of hotels and things like that this has all overshadowed the fact that he's you know mr Mich- michelin star it's
2: like he used to be a chef now.
3: Yeah. Which is a pity because he is a great cook. He is a great cook. Yeah. Has he cooked for you,
2: Fraser? I've never eaten at Gordon Ramsay. No.
3: I've. Uh, I've You've been most places, haven't you? I've been to a few. I worked. I've done a <laughs> few. I worked in Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. I say worked. I washed pots. For Heat magazine. Oh right! Yes, Heat, you did. Heat magazine sent me into Gordon Ramsay's kitchen, uh, where the, and I think there was, there was clearly an element of theatricality on the go here because. People were standing inches from one another's faces, holding up a piece of spinach the size of a five pence piece, going, Look at this shit, I wouldn't give it to a fucking dog. How, dare, really? you, how dare you, how dare you. <laughs> you know, it was real sort of, you know, we're in the pressure cooker, cooking doesn't get any on in the time. That town, was for your benefit. I think it might have been a bit for my benefit. But what they were doing was, if, you know, they were balancing this kind of uh, close encounters of the third kind style tower of shin of beef on a plate. Uh, m- to make sure that it was a- absolutely perpendicular and flat on top. And if it wasn't quite right, they would just fling it in the sink, where I, the plongeur for the day, was scrubbing away on pots. And I quickly worked out that if I just said, no, no, don't throw it in the, in the sink, throw it in me, I could have, like, three Gordon Ramsay dinners. Oh, really? And, and I did. I had, you know, <laughs> because it didn't look quite right, or the spinach was a bit funny, or the, uh, the pomme puree. And you were just there, i you already were a
0: 15-year-old boy in every kitchen, didn't they, really? Yeah, it would just, it would just eat just some urchins the but, that's yeah. so good
3: give it the urchin
0: have you ever read George Orwell's Down and Out in London and Paris I no. haven't uh, which is um, the Paris bit is about his time as a plongeur at the uh, Georges V yeah. in uh, the 20s 30s and uh, it's brilliant on, mm. the, on the kind of uh, the culture of, of uh, waiters and chefs and kitchens and how incredibly hierarchical they are, yeah. you know, and why there is no union representation in in the catering business—not certainly not in those days, you know—and yeah. um, and about how how the key moment in restaurants was the, you know the door that opens both ways or the circular yeah. door or whatever from the kitchen into the restaurant. He says, watch your waiter change his expression as he goes through that, you know, through that, process, <laughs> you know, from. Dealing out appalling abuse on one side in the amongst this steam and heat and, yeah. you know and chaos and then go through this and it composes yeah. features into, Just a into Jeeves like yeah. you know. <laughs> kind of, and then and then uh, you know, float over the dining room. Extraordinary stuff.
2: The word a magazine, a website, a podcast. A way of life.
0: Did we see the story about the Irish student and the Wikipedia hoax? I know Wikipedia is probably full of millions Wikipedia's of. Wikipedia hoax. has got hoaxes. This guy it? is clever. This guy is really clever.
2: This is about adulterating obituary notices. Isn't it, it is.
0: This is so clever because yeah. he picked such a clever target and did it such in such a subtle way. Um, Dublin University student Shane Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Who decided as part of his study to to test, you know, how far a story on Wikipedia would be around the world? You know, if, if he yeah. put one there. And the film composer Maurice Jarre died recently. Uh, Jean-Michel Jarre's yeah. father, and the man who did the, the soundtrack to Lawrence of Arabia and many other great films. Um, and he just made up a fake Maurice Jarre quote. One could say my life has been one long soundtrack. Music was my life. Music brought me to life. and Music is how I will be remembered long after I leave this life. When I die, there will be a final waltz playing in my head that only I can hear. It's the kind of yeah, thing that somebody would say yeah, in it's an a good quote. It's a bit it's a, it's a very good quote. He just put it in there. And, of course, it was in all the obituaries. Yeah. Worldwide. I think the guardians so far are the only ones to apologise for having <laughs> you know I think they hold their hands up and say, Yeah, yes, we uh, we picked it up and we shouldn't have done. Has yeah. Jean
3: Michel Jarre commented at all, yes? <laughs> if
0: I was Jean Michel Jarre, I think I'd be quite
3: happy. Thought, it's quite, it's yeah, really, no. That's a really good quote.
0: But his point the point about Shane Fitzgerald is he says he says, Well, this is shameful because people ought to be checking these things. Yeah. Well,
3: Shane yeah. Where? How Shane is twenty three years old yeah. Shane. How? Yeah, where How do you check anything? Maybe you can look it up on... Wik- oh, oh yeah. quite. There is Maybe no Maybe you can check the... Oh, internet,
2: yes. And as Wikipedia considers newspapers to be reliable sources, and the kind of things you should cite when uh, writing an article, does that now mean that because this error has been reported in the newspapers, it's fact? Exactly.
0: Oh, listen! This is all part of the contemporary minefield, you know, because it will then find its way back into Wikipedia, yeah. and the uncorrected version will be will be out there. I mean, thankfully, in this case, it's uh, not anything controversial at all. No. It doesn't, you know, what bring the ironies, anybody
3: into disrepute. One of the ironies of Wikipedia is that if you yourself, so I haven't done this myself, but if you if you're the subject of a Wikipedia entry, the fact that you can say this is me and I know that this is a, a fact or b not a fact isn't enough. It has to be cited elsewhere. So if you can produce a cutting from Record mirror in 1973 containing a total untruth that can go in, but if you, Dave, email and say I'm David Hepworth and uh, no, and I didn't assassinate didn't President I have to get Kennedy. it published first. You have to get it published first because they won't take it from you. That's extraordinary.
0: It is extraordinary. But I, I, I'm very um, I'm interested in this idea about you know how you're supposed to check things. You know, it's like whenever a controversial story, you know, about about somebody alive gets out there. Mm. And, you know, the PR will always draw themselves up to the full height of their moral outrage and say, well, if only you checked this with me, I yes. would have told you. No,
3: they bloody won't. No, the PR is the last person the you ask. absolutely exactly, <laughs> the <last laughs> person you know, to give you any matter of fact at absolutely. all. Absolutely. You know, our close personal friends accepted, obviously, Dad. Yeah, PRs. You if
0: would, you m- rang up the average PR and said, I just want to know the name of so brother, or says something yeah. non-controversial,
3: yeah. You know, well, or where off, they
0: went to school, hmm. or whatever, they they would they would not return your call.
3: Yeah,
0: or because the thing is, I might get myself into trouble. Or
3: they'd say, why do you want to know? Yes. Why do you why do you want to know what his surname is? <laughs> why do you want to know what his height is? It's really Are you doing something about how he's not tall enough, or too tall? That's just Going the to truth. be on the cover. Yes.
0: That's the <laughs> truth. That's how it works. Yeah. Andrew, we, we, we talked briefly about the subject of meat in in, in Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. Yes. Without lingering <laughs> on the
3: particular area of the meat trade
0: <laughs> that you wish to talk about this morning.
3: Well, yes, uh, I had a very funny experience on, uh, on on Sunday night as I'm listening to my iTunes on shuffle, and you know, as you know, you, you often just throw loads of records on, and i put on a uh, a Trojan DJ box set, and as iTunes played on, um, up came a tune called tripe girl tripe girl tripe girl there may even
0: be people listening to this podcast who don't know what tripe is
3: it's the word magazine Dave they've probably raised on tripe (laughs) they know what tripe is (laughs) do they the stomach lining of the cow beautifully prepared for uh, boiling with onions and so on favoured north of you know yes but also in Catalan uh, cooking they're quite fond of it and clearly fond of it in Jamaica uh, because a,
2: There's a Colombian cafe at the end of my street where they do a nice trout, nice little tripe.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. But Iroy's tripe girl concerns uh, the girl who lives next door to the tripe girl. She is an untrustworthy gal. <laughs> She'll break your heart. You tried to hurt me. You couldn't do it, as I would say, uh, says Iroy. In Tripe Girl, and this made me, th- as a son of a butcher man myself, made me think... Son of a butcher man. Yes. yes. It's a famous Dustin Springfield. But it made me think Good God! Is, are there any? Uh, is there anything else in music connected to what the Americans refer to as variety meats? Oh, variety meats being anything that's not pork, beef, chicken, whatever. And to my amazement, I discovered that there's a fair bit in reggae, but most of it goes back to Pluto Shervington, who has the Do classic. You think,
0: think Pluto was poss- possibly the son of somebody in the uh, in the meat trade.
3: Uh, well, I don't know actually. I, th- I think. Um, Jamaica, back a yard, of course, Dave right. uh, I think they have a different approach to, uh, to to the meat trade than we do It's not all about plastic in Sainsbury's It's about, you know, getting your hands deep down and dirty down the market kind of thing Pluto <laughs> Sherminton uh, has ram goat liver Oh, of course! Which tells the tale of, uh, and I have the, li- it's a wonderful world when you get the lyrics to <laughs> Ram Goat Liver off the internet, isn't it? God bless uh, the God internet. God bless the internet. It tells the tale of how uh, uh, Pluto catches a bus into town. Um, it hits a goat. Uh, <laughs> they decide that they're going to cook the goat. Uh, ram Goat Liver, good for make manish water. Curried goat lunch put the bite in your bark. It make your daughter, it make her walk and talk. So they cook Ram Goat Liver. But, and the story doesn't end there, Dave. Uh, before too long, you know, have to ask a runny belly like Judgment Day. <laughs> Everybody in the road are dead with laugh. It's then I know crime will never pay. So Pluto Shervington's ram goat liver. Also in Pluto's oeuvre, is the fantastic dat in which he visits the market and uh, wants to buy something for his tea. Asks uh, <laughs> and, and cannot, cannot. Pluto
0: Shervington's tea. Yeah,
3: what's what's Pluto having for tea? Can't make his <laughs> mind up. Uh, the butcher says you want beef? No. You want pork and pluton. I'm paraphrasing here. It says, please butcher, be discreet. My co-religionists in the religion of Rastafari are within earshot. <laughs> sure. Do not mention pork. Uh, and he settles on, give me a pound of that ting there, which he's not quite sure what it is, and we'll take it away. to go. So, you know, reggae, very big on the variety of meats. I tried to think, you know, who else is mentioning, uh, you know, tripe, kidneys, anything like that. It, it seems to be purely a reggae thing, unless we're going to count uh, Jim Diamond's high or Silver Lining which uh, <laughs> might not be referring to the stomach of a cow. So if the viewers out there have got yes. any more tripe uh, chitlins, perhaps. Obviously, chitlins. There's got to be some chitlins, Dave. As a blues man, well, Dave, there, you'll know oh, this.
0: I couldn't think. I, offhand, I can't think of any. There will be. Yeah. There will be. There'll be a John Lee Hooker yeah. tune that's... Uh, That's in praise of the chitlin.
3: Mark Boland, Chitlin's the Revolution? No? Maybe not. (laughs) Um, So if the viewers have got anything, please send it in and uh, we will see what we can incorporate. Black Pudding Birthday, she's the Queen of Northern Salt, doesn't really count, does it?
0: I love the idea that that, that Pluto, you know, wrote his his compositions were inspired by things that occurred to him when going to the market.
3: Yeah, well, it's, you know, Lily Allen gets praised to the sky. for writing about going to the chip shop. Absolutely, so sure. backyard. It's but the yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. How many
0: indie groups would you have to put together, you know, before eventually one of them wrote a song about variety meats? You know, how, <laughs> well, long,
3: how long would it take? I think they'd probably write about. Uh, I've got I've got a double lecture this morning, and uh, you know, me dissertations later. What would be the gist of it. <laughs> Social realism.
0: We were talking uh, last week uh, in response to something that um, I can't remember. Who, a Gunner boy raised this subject about uh, whatever happened to groups who were just a laugh, uh, which is a good question, mm. you know, because you remember the days of Mud and I can't remember who yeah. else. It never made any pretensions. They were just there yeah, for entertainment. Yeah. And he said it seems to have gone away. And we were discussing this. Um, and further to that discussion on the on the podcast, people pitched in with that, their suggestions. And I want to know uh, what the jury thinks of okay. their suggestions. Were the <coughs> darkness just a laugh.
2: Until they start taking themselves too seriously. Yeah. Which
0: happens when? <laughs> when you sell a load
3: of records. When you sell a load of records.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
3: can't keep... <laughs> it's true. Isn't but it? the thing is, The Darkness were just a laugh, but it was only really one joke, whereas Mud were just a laugh, and actually there were quite, quite a few yeah, gaps yeah, yeah. going on there. And and it wasn't all purely a laugh. You Christmas.
0: Know, oh, I, I love their records, yeah. and nothing against them at all, but it's, it's an interesting point. If you start off as just a laugh,
3: and then you have a hit album, yeah, you can't be just a laugh anymore,
0: no. can you? Yeah. Well, that
3: was, that was the case. That was the monkeys, wasn't it? You know, the monkeys. Oh, no, it's slightly different. It's the monkeys wanted to go serious. The monkeys. Wanted well, the to monkeys art.
0: also wanted to do themselves what previously studio musicians had yeah. done had done for them. So, the darkness, possibly there were, and then they changed. Goldie looking chain, were they just a laugh? I think they were just a laugh. Yeah, still are just a laugh. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Scissor sisters, scissor
0: sisters,
3: just a laugh
2: good time band maybe yeah, not, just, yeah not actually a, oh, not actually not, a joke not, not funny It's kind of not, continuum is <laughs> <there>? yeah
3: <laughs> no I, I think Fraser's right I don't think uh, you know a just a laugh band um, starts out with any pre- without any pretensions to be anything other than entertainers I not think the Sister sisters started out with a little bit more than that they did always want to be a bit art there's, there's quite a lot of art in there yeah you don't you don't cover a Pink Floyd song in a disco style if you're just a laugh do you no yeah, possibly else.
0: um uh, it, it brings me to a supplementary question, actually. Which is the noblest
3: calling? Entertainment or art? I vote for entertainment. I would vote for, it's I vote for the entertainment. Service of <laughs> entertainment is the service of your fellow man, and there is no nobler calling. Because how do you know that you've been successful
0: in entertainment? People, People clap. <laughs> yeah. People be- come along, yeah, be- they yeah. laugh, they smile, they enjoy themselves. How yeah. do you know you've been successful in art? Someone
2: you tells do? you. Yeah.
3: Oh, my Yanishek so, yeah, tells okay. you. Yeah. But while we're on the subject of banners that are just a laugh, um, I, we have Ray Earl via Twitter with an impassioned defence of bad manners. Don't diss bad manners. Oh. It really speaks to you on a crap day in Skegness. Oh, okay. so well, yeah. Okay, fine. I can see that. Now, I may be pronouncing this wrong.
0: Uh, are the Noisettes just a laugh? Too early to say, Dave. Okay. Too early to Is say. Is it Noisettes
3: or Noisettes? I don't know. I think well, I've pondered one
0: this of the some food stuff, aren't they?
3: Well, I think we're getting into a yogurt, yogurt nougat oh, okay. type of Scones thing and here. Scone. Nobody, no, yes, yeah, nobody says nougat in real life. They say it on adverts. I say nougat. No, you don't. <laughs> I do. Come off it. Well, where I come from, they used to call it nuggets. It is nuggets. You're both northern. <laughs> what? It's from what? It's from France. We're English. We're all English. Nuggets. <laughs> it's nuggets. Move oh, on. Right. Okay, and our half man, half biscuit. Just the laugh. They are the finest satirical banner there has ever been, and um, therefore they are both just a laugh and deeply serious as real satire Okay, fine. Well that that will no doubt continue to, to
0: run and run. Have we followed that what appears to me to be the finest use of Twitter that I've yet seen, mm-hmm. which is um, this happened within the last week. A chap called Dan Baum, B A U M in yes. the United States, decided to tell the world how he got fired as a writer <laughs> On the New Yorker. New Yorker, the most prestigious gig in in magazines, if you're a writer, certainly. And he decided to share this secret in 140 character tweets. Yeah.
2: It's extraordinary stuff, isn't it? It is, if you read it as it happens. (laughs) Yeah. If you have to go back two weeks later and discover that, and go through this process, everything's displayed in reverse chronological order on Twitter. So it's exactly the opposite way that you wouldn't wish to read it, you need to be able to that around and read it chronologically. Okay. It's difficult. It's like reading Arabic.
0: But if he'd said, you see, if he'd gone to uh, a magazine and said, I want to write a story about how I got fired from the New Yorker, nobody would have commissioned it. No. And even had they done that, to have set out to write a piece about it would have appeared a rather self aggrandizing thing, didn't it? Yeah. Whereas to do it in bits... Actually, it sort of works but the, it the, only, work, the only
3: yeah. magazine Sufficiently indulgent Of writers To let you write A piece of getting In five The New Yorker Is The New Yorker Absolutely. They might have Commissioned it it's, it's, it's full it's extraordinary a, What is interesting About it though Is that the, kind of, the Twitter format The 140 characters Does lend it A certain Hemingway style Of very clipped And unflowered And it gets You know he really gets Right to the point I thought that was, that was Quite interesting And i would be Interested to sort of Read it if, You know As Fraser said In the correct order yeah, well, I did. Yeah, To see if that actually really makes really any sense album. as kind of 800 words of very short sure paragraphs.
0: And um, no, I, th- I think, I think Twitter is an extraordinary thing. I, I find myself wondering if it's actually the perfect um, album reviewing format.
3: Joe Muggs, <laughs> our own Joe Muggs, uh, has been Twittering uh, one-sentence album reviews for some time. So give me an example. Oh, God, I can't do that. They haven't got a computer in front of me. But you want me to review an album in one no, sentence No, no.
0: What does he say? Because I've thought about this. I, I've, I've sent the odd tweet yes. while listening to a record Yes. where I felt a sentence pop into my head that I wished to share, yes. <laughs> not with the world, but, you know, whatever yeah. whatever misguided individuals follow my, my, my tweets... And you get really good response. People, yeah. People get, you know, it's the idea of the isolated thought mm. that people like. You well, know that's what I mean? And I find I don't find myself saying things like that you would write in a review. They're just sort of personal
3: reflections. You know? Yeah. Well, that's actually that is the way to write a good review, isn't it? You know, it, I mean, often we find ourselves up early, with early on when we're sort of bringing writers in. Cutting away these thickets of phrases like you know vocal jaw handling and uh, <laughs> you know words like competence have to be kind of ruthlessly chopped out with the old secateurs. Uh, there's no room for that in Twitter, and also people aren't thinking like that. No, they're not. So thinking that you know, at all. it's it's you know, Twitter is just the kind of thing that you'd say to somebody uh, if you met them on a bus or in the pub, uh, and you wanted to mention you know the new record by X. You know that that little one line that encapsulated it up. It's hard to do. Yeah, uh, but
0: because you've got to kind of, you just got to free up your, the way you think. You know, mm. uh, we ought to find a way to do this involving the readers and uh, and the people who, who follow the, uh, the the Twitter stream, didn't we? There ought to be a way people can do this.
3: Well, that, maybe we should, uh, you know, when, when a notable record comes out, uh, maybe we should all make a date on say <laughs> on the Wednesday. We've we'll got a date, you know, date. Or maybe we should ha- make a date while we're all playing it. Let's play it all at the same time. Let's just communally review this record. It doesn't all happen, though, Andrew, does it? You're never all listening to anything. Well, on some things. Like when, when the U2 album went up on Spotify, for instance, quite a lot of people were listening to it at the same time. Yeah, and the uh, Twitter storm, I mean, we twittered it track by track, and we we'll found us, oh, well, I, anyway, found myself pretty under-impressed by it. Right. But there was a bit of a Twitter storm, and people kind of got into a heated debate. But it was a heated debate rather than reviews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's have a think about it. We'll think about I it. And we'll announce something it. on the Twitter.
0: How, have we got anything further? we want to cover? Anything anybody wants to say? Well,
3: you, you mentioned uh, Peter, Andre and Katie Price's oh, split, right. which is yes. uh, a heartbreak. I'm surprised you've been able to keep it from the listeners. Read the statement, Andrew, in its entirety. The statement.
0: you've
3: got it there. Pay attention, everybody. Um, Peter, Andre and Katie Price are separating after four and a half years of marriage. Uh, can Associates Limited can confirm today. They have both requested that the media respect their family's privacy at this difficult time. They must As opposed have, to at every other bloody time. There fact. must yeah. have been a smile,
0: you know, you know curling the lips. Well, they are the, any classic ones off, done. yeah, definitely. The, yeah, it's absolutely... Please respect
3: their privacy at this difficult time, but stop respecting it immediately. We ask you to stop resp- respecting it. It's
0: extraordinary. It. I mean... I... I
3: <laughs> and on that <laughs> bombshell, we've, Dave is properly... I've never seen Dave's Speechless before. He actually is. Makes great radio, Dave Speechless. Just, just going... <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> it lo- it's like an exhausted Walrus. There's not there's nothing he's spent, we've broken him. I'm Destroyed. I've got Over. one
0: thing to say about Peter Andre and Jordan.
3: Here comes the tweet.
0: It's the children. <laughs> Serious issue. Yes it is. You're right. They have had two children yeah. m- as a couple yes. who they've whose lives have been names. broadcast yeah. effectively. Yeah. In a way that will affect them. In yes. someone, it just will and don't want to get in con- on t- into a really controversial area but the story I heard as to why the BBC withdrew the Andy Kershaw
3: on the ropes raises finger, hovers about, over the button keep going <laughs> Dave, keep going
0: is that one of the things that they were concerned about was that they might be seen to be invading the privacy of the children mentioned in the interview yeah. which I think is a legitimate point Yes, <laughs> and you know, famous people—they volunteer to be famous. But, know,
2: but they also, in uh, K. Price, their children haven't
0: necessarily. Yeah. yeah,
2: but their parents have volunteered their children the question is this is certainly the case with uh, Peter yes. Ondra and yeah. Kate yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. but the question no, is no I'm not suggesting anybody yeah. in the Andy Kershaw case no. did that at all but I'm just suggesting that's BBC's sensitivity but the that. question is we, we, we think that parents have the right to volunteer their kids to go to a particular school or take a particular musical instrument or follow a particular path in life do parents then have the right to decide that their children are going to be famous I don't know is it time for the nanny state to intervene? <laughs> <laughs> yes, add that to the list After, of things yeah. <laughs> that they're going to introduce. When they finish cleaning out their moats, they can, pi- <laughs> they can pile in and fix. Yes, the- so
0: we've got to go now and uh, look at everybody's expenses. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
3: going to go and do mine. What, expense, what expenses are you going to do, what? Fraser? <laughs> I spent. What, what are you going to put? What, your, I saw you dragging. Expenses? You were dragging the, the, the carcass of a baby seal in uh, <laughs> with uh, a recipe in your hand. What are you going to do, Dave? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to introduce what's going to happen next on this podcast, which is what happened uh, at the end of last week's podcast. Uh, we've been starting these uh, shopcasts with Universal Music, where Mark Allen and myself sit in, the, in our in our ancient, the last record shop in the world, and talk about <laughs> old music. And last week it was the Kinks, and this week because recently it's been the fiftieth anniversary of the foundation of the Motown label, that's what we've been talking about, okay? So, step inside. Well-known group, and I'm just going to give you the first names, okay? Uh, No second names. And I'm going to give you the the full version of their first names. Are you with
1: it? Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm not going to get this. Okay.
0: Richard. Kenneth. Paul. William, Samuel, and Lowell. <laughs> I've got it now. Go on. I think. Am I wrong? Go on. Is it Littlefield? It's Littlefield. It's, it's always. It, what it proves about, about well, Grits, William is Bill Payne, right? Yeah, Bill Payne, Samuel Clayton, Paul Barrere, Richie Hayward, Kenny Gradney. Kenny Gradney. Kenneth. Kenneth. Kenneth Gradney. But it's, he was a, never it's only when you get one key name, isn't it? Like Lowell. Yeah. I mean, there's only one Lowell and Popium. There is probably only one Lowell. It. I don't know. There's only one Ainsley, probably. There's only one Ainsley, yeah. There, there are certain names. That so point in asking about the Ainsley done by retaliation. Yeah. Give them that away. Already. So that's enough Little Feet. <laughs> enough Little Feet. There's never enough Little Feet. We're talking about Motown. Do you have... T- tell me, in your records at home, do you have a place for kind of things that don't fit anywhere else? I've got this um, you know, wall of
1: CDs at, at home. Uh, you know, normal sized ones. But on the top I've got a special uh, extended rack that's higher for things of strange shapes. Display case a almost. display case, yes, display case it is. Yes. Box sets and all that stuff. The only thing that worries me is that occasionally you get ones that just don't, they're just awkward and they don't really fit. No disrespect to this great <laughs> box set that I, we're about to discuss. it's shaped like a house.
0: This is, it's shaped like a house. And it's got
1: nothing written on the side, so uh, I can't
0: tell what it is. I think what they should do, this is this is Hitsville, so this is right. based on the, you know, the original, yeah. design of the original Motown house studio. Yeah. And I think what they should do is it should be part of a series. And what they should do is, is in Abbey Road, you know what I mean? And, and take other famous buildings and popular music. Very good. So eventually you can build a miniature town. You can a build miniature a town.
1: miniature town. You can rearrange the buildings. you can walk buildings. around. You can have a little railway station. And, and look through uh, the windows the office. Office. and so forth.
0: That's but a, brilliant idea. But anyway, to go, you, you can go inside. Shall we go inside and, and have a look? Let's go at <laughs> inside the house. And uh, this is based on, on the, really the house miniature figures. Detroit's West Grand Boulevard that, uh, that they moved into in, in 1959, I think, something like that. And there it is.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! The
0: studio was in there. It actually had it had a, a photographic studio out the back when they took it on, which is one of the reasons they took it on apparently because they could build the studio in there as well. Um, but it, it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't have that feature. But obviously, was oh, let's go inside. Let's go inside. Go inside. There you are. Isn't that we see the little window? And, and you get uh, you get what do you get you get five double CDs. well no, you get you get ten CDs. And a lavish booklet. And a lavish booklet. And so carry, you know, doing all Motown number ones from, you know, I don't know, smoking Smokey Robinson getting yeah. a job and so forth, right through to, you know, to the present day. But it's a, it's it's interesting, it's fitting, I think, that uh that it be based in this house because um, It is an extraordinary thing, and it tells you a lot about Motown. That, um, apparently, when when Barry Gordy took on this place, you know, presumably rented it, I suppose, you know, he was determined that it was going to work as much like a factory as possible. Because, you know, there's always these stories about he got his inspiration for the Detroit production line. And I think that was mainly because he didn't want anything wasted. You know, he believed in running it like a like a conventional business. So this place used to, used to be in use, and it's and it's studios twenty two hours out
1: of twenty four. And that's so every aspect of you're talking about the obviously the manufacture of the records, the production. Well, no, they didn't manufacture.
0: are the songwriters, the songwriters and, and, uh, you know, and the and the arrangers, and and then the singers, and then the. The, you know, so this the probably is
1: a hit factory, isn't it? So you, you open so. a door and there's a guy yes. sitting there
0: banging away on a piano pretty trying to produce the
1: record that's going to be recorded tomorrow. But it's,
0: they used to close it every day between 8 and 10 in the morning so that the engineers could fix the machinery. The mach- machinery was always in a state of nearly melting down because it was kind of used yeah. so we, we much. We never closed. We absolutely, <laughs> yeah. we never closed. And I still find it hard to believe that given that, that Barry Gordy himself, you know, probably, uh, you know, I do about 23 or 24 years old at that time, used to live upstairs. Now, I'm saying living upstairs from a recording studio, not the best idea, is it, at all?
1: And presumably survived on one hour's sleep for about, you know, I, I years so. of his life. I suppose so. A massive bass line, vibrating up yeah, through. It's his...
0: extraordinary. Um, and so, you know, so the, you know, the temptations would be in there and Smokey Robinson and the Miracles and Supremes and Marvin Gaye and all these people and Holland, Dozier Holland coming in there all hours of day and night and constantly trying different material with different people. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were constantly auditioning who would be the most appropriate voice to do, you know, Tracks of My Tears or rather whatever, whatever song, you know. So the thing that fascinates me reading about Barry Gordy is that he obviously came from a relatively well-off family, you know. They, 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 they were people of, of substance, Yeah. And, uh, and he was obviously compared to most of his siblings. He kind of... He not, well. He nead- do well. He never do well. He'd not found a proper career path. Now, you know, you know if one of your kids... <laughs> Something like Barry Gordy's...
1: Going to be living a disgraced and failed
0: existence. Well, no. His, his, his first, his first, day pursuit was he was going to be a, he was going to be a boxer. Oh, right, Well, that makes sense. Well, yeah. So yeah. you wouldn't be thrilled if one of your kids said, "I think I'm going to be a boxer." No, you would be. You? be right and, and then they came back beaten black and blue and said, uh, "Oh, I've thought better." Change about, my mind. T- change my mind. It really hurts. I <laughs> 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 now, I now like to run a record shop. Yeah. Oh, They go and try that and they fail like No that. one'll beat uh, me up saying, there. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> forget about the boxing. <laughs> forget about the record shop. I'm going to run a nightclub. Yeah. You know, so by then, if you're gaudy Senior, you're thinking drunk.
1: you're tearing your hair. That out. That boxing's going to come in useful. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> and he, he, you know, he goes off and tries working on the Detroit assembly line, but nothing's working until he kind of falls in with Jackie Wilson, you know, the singer, and writes songs for him, and gets to know a few people, and then it comes back. He's still only about twenty 24, yeah, 24. yeah, he's young. Yeah, it yeah. comes back to the family, uh, you know, the authorities. And they, they had a fund, OK? They, had, they also had a kind of college fund. And he said, give me $800 and I shall start a record label. And, you know, it shows a lot... Gordy Senior just
1: tears off a cheque.
0: <laughs> he <laughs> presumably did, you know. That's very interesting. It's an extraordinary it is idea, extraordinary. isn't it? You know, he's tried everything. He's tried boxing. He's tried nightclubs.
1: As a last resort. As a last resort, <laughs> I'm going I'm go to go drink. and make some <laughs> I'm gonna
0: run a record company. <laughs> no, I'm going to be the first black man to yeah. run his own record yeah. company. You yeah. know, we're going to make pop records. And they gave him $800. And subsequently, I think you know, 30 years later or whatever, he sold it to MCA for $82 million or something like that. So you know, it, it's I quite, think it, that was quite eight, a good investment. Dollars well invested. Now. What is? And here, on this, on this box there represented all the riches of Motown, you know, and, and, and particularly magical are the, the early things, you know, the Marvelettes, the Supremes, and, you know, uh, Martha and the Vandals. What is? This is my question to you. What is the key instrument in the history of Tamla Motown? Go on, tell me. No, that's tricky. Is it going to be, it's going to be something, it's going to be a percussion
1: instrument. Yeah, is, you're it, is it a, a tambourine or i I've got it in my bag. Actually, I really didn't know that. I've got that. it in my bag. <laughs>
0: that's incredible. I brought it with me. Look. I, the, that oh, is, that's the key instrument. That is the key instrument in the history of a Tam Lomato. Uh, a tambourine. Which was always played In what way, because it's just... Well, it's really interesting. It the great a,
1: flourish in the chorus.
0: Uh, well, it, it was always played by... In the original studio band of the sixties, a chap called Jack Ashford, who just played the tambourine. The tambourine. Well, that again, that was money well spent. And and one of master. his one of his best known um, tambourine—I won't say solos—comes. Where does it come? At the beginning of a very fun track. Uh,
1: that riff would probably been repeated many times. which particular? It album. comes
0: right at the beginning while I heard it through the breakdown. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. And it's that that gives it the kind of spooky yep. shiver.
1: A little overture. And
0: he used to buy. You know, this is probably far more expensive than the tambourines yep. that Jack Ashford used to buy. He used to buy fifteen dollar tambourines, and he wanted the ones that, as he, as he described it, church ladies used to buy. Oh, So that you know, you know middle aged yeah, yeah. you know, ladies with extraordinary hats. Yeah, who went to. You know, evangelical churches yeah. on a Sunday to you know very actively get involved in in, in the service. So that was would precisely the atmosphere he was their own to. their own tamarine. No, but it also shows just how much of this music relates to gospel and how much well precisely that you know,
1: grapevine particularly is it, it's a religious ceremony is about to take place, isn't it? When you hear this thing,
0: well, and all the all the kind of call and responses so you, know, you can never say it too many times that you know. Rhythm and blues in the sixties was gospel music made secular and kind of pumped full of Coca Cola at the same time. Yeah, you know what I mean? it was. It was the same the devices. People. Well, Marvin Gaye, the classic case is "Can I Get a Witness," you know, which is, which is an old you know tune that riff that preachers have been using. Call and of written, response. You know, call yeah, call and response. Yeah. And the other thing that struck me listening to um, uh, Supremes, "Where Did Our Love Go," first of a number of number ones is the other thing, apart from the tambourine, what's the other instrument? Which you don't even have to go and buy. And I don't know if it even qualifies as an instrument. What, right? what, what would that be? It's the,
1: the hand clap, clap or the, the finger click.
0: Finger clicking or hand clap. Yeah, yeah. And it's always put completely front and centre. So you listen to Where Did Our Love Go? Yeah. And it leaps out of a radio, because it's, it's that noise, you know. It, I've
1: heard the master track of it Through the Grapevine. Oh, it's been duplicated. It's, it's an eight-track recording, and somebody was made into a, a track for a film called Standing in the Shadows of the Motown, and therefore it was digitized. And you can now hear the eight tracks
0: Separate.
1: separated out. It is, it's the, one of the most extraordinary things I've ever heard in my life.
0: It's, cause I've, you I've have an orchestra
1: that. on one, you have three guitars on another, you have a bass guitar on one, you have the, you have the backing vocal, um, on one, and you can hear the spill, as they call it, yeah. from their from their headphones. You can hear the rest of the track, and you can just hear them breathing, waiting to come in. It's absolutely fantastic. You
0: can—that's the one I when I, I heard Marvin Gaye being Marvin one of Gay, the backing Gay, vocals actually. right at the beginning. You can hear him breathing, and when the drums come in, you can hear him go, "Ah, drums." Oh, right, yeah, I miss that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she's just it's really because you feel like saying. Shut up, Marvin. This is I Heard It Through the Great <laughs> That's right. You know, <laughs> you're ruining you know, a great you're recording. You're the best recording. Don't spoil it ever. The other, the
1: other great thing about that, that, uh, that, that track is, is because it's a fade. And so when you get the A track, you hear what happens after the fade, which is that they just keep going. And eventually you start hearing voices go, All right, that's enough. Yeah, you go. So we got it there.
0: Three-hour
1: yeah. session, know, it Three apart, they
0: probably were. all falls apart. You know. it's, it's an extraordinary thing to be reminded of. Now, the other thing that, that, that struck me about Motown, listening to this and, uh, and looking back on the history that I don't think gets the, the full credit it deserves is the dancing. Because I was watching an interview with... I can't remember who it was. The, you know, the Temptations or whatever. And they made the really good point. that hit me like a bolt from above and never has done before. They said, if you're a bunch of guys singing, you have to dance. Because she can't not. The option of standing still is not available to her. No,
1: you. it wouldn't would look
0: ridiculous. Actually. it just look absolutely yeah.
1: ridiculous. You've got to move.
0: You, you know, because you know, if you had just Eddie Kendricks at the front and then the bunch of the rest of them just sort of standing there yeah. you know, chipping in, look absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. And, um, and
1: what they do is quite complicated. Those routines are actually quite complicated. And it's extraordinary now to think that they were doing those really quite physical routines and, and apparently singing at the same time, which of course doesn't normally happen, actually, in rock music now, a lot of it is choreography to a pre-recorded backing track.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But they they also, they got coaching uh, from people who were real old-fashioned hoofers. And next time you're on YouTube, go and look for Cholly Atkins, C-H-O-L-L-Y.
1: Type in the word Hoofer. <laughs> He'd
0: be one of the ones that come up. up. Yeah. Uh, and Charlie Atkins was um, uh, 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 kind of 40s, you know, It was on the halls as, you know, one of the great, you know, black dance entertainers like yeah. Bojangles Robinson yeah. in that kind of tradition. These were the guys who, who wore incredibly smart tuxedos and, and played at the Cotton Club and, you know, yeah, yeah. very kind of high yeah. end stuff. And in the 60s, people like Barry Gordy. Got them in, you know. So these were guys who were in their forties and fifties at the time. And said, "See that bunch of reprobates that I've just, you know, got out the out the project. Make them
1: dance. Make them dance, <laughs>
0: yeah, and right. make them dance in, in an incredibly elegant fashion, yeah. you know. And and you can actually, there is actually a film of Charlie Atkins um, training people to do these things. Fantastic. And the key thing about his moves, were they were all about maximum um, motion in a limited space. Because if you're gonna put yeah, people on you can't, like, you can't too move on the
1: You also gotta be on the mic. You? You, you, you're gonna yeah. get
0: four yeah, or five of them on the four yeah. tops or whatever, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, gonna yeah. get one TV shot. Yeah. And they're gonna be moving, you know, so yes, it's all got that, got that to be kind of moonwalking, picture. you know, yeah. on the same uh, on the same spot. It's unbelievable to see it. And um, the other, the other thing that, that struck me really forcibly, you know, i my, my I'm actually hankering after writing a a. A history of pop music completely in class terms. Oh, right. Completely about social class. Because that's the one thing nobody ever talks about, pop music. Now, the story of Motown is the story of extraordinary social mobility. You know, really dramatically.
1: And also, as you said, run by a, a, a sort of member of, not the bourgeoisie, but somebody at the top who's actually reasonably middle class.
0: And and people like the Supremes, they came from the roughest, very very poor background. And you know, and and rough Detroit was rough. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure still is. And um, and one of the ideas that they had was it was all about, it was all about uh, making people acceptable so they could live in a more sophisticated, generally white society. And so they actually had a finishing school, and they called it a finishing school. Yeah. You know, run by this woman, Maxine Powell.
1: To teach people manners, te- finesse, te- 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 social etiquette. Teach people not only
0: yeah. how to dress, yeah, but also pretty much how to drink a cup of tea with your with, with your, your finger up, finger
1: sticking out. And
0: and the likelihood Cut was the that, that if you went out into the world and you went on tour or whatever, you would probably be introduced to the Queen or the Prime yeah. Minister of, of, of Great Britain or yeah. somebody else. And so you should you should be able to Eat a conduct yourself. Yes.
1: Yeah, these things are important.
0: <laughs> Yes. And uh, I was watching an interview with Mary Wilson, you know, at the Supremes, where she said, you know, I was aware of the fact that, my, that one of the things I had to do was represent my race. Yeah. Which is a, an extraordinary idea now, you know. Whereas, whereas you, co- you compare that to, to the way... Y- y- it's almost turning its head nowadays that, that what sort of huge uh, big black entertainers are intent- uh, have to do nowadays is aspired down yeah. to the streets, you know yeah. what I mean? Totally. I'm slightly more gritty than... Connect with the people. Than anybody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Uh, whereas there, it was, it was about, you know, moving on. I'm loving the on. idea
1: that, of, of Mary Wilson's diary, you know, 10 o'clock dancing lessons, uh, 11 o'clock backing vocals, 12 o'clock eating, learning to eat uh, grapes with a knife and fork. <laughs> you know, it's, that, it's It's an action-packed day, isn't it?
2: <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by The Word, Details at wordmagazine.co.uk.